Jamie Vardy and Riyad Mahrez, the sharpest tools in the Premier League boxes at the moment. Chance for Vardy to run. And Vardy goes first time and scores a stunner. Leicester's very own fantastic Mr. Fox. Jamie Vardy has got another sequence going in goals at home. He's now made it six in a row. Vardy in the middle. This could be a huge moment. Hello and welcome to another week of Action Replay. Today we'll be looking at all things Super Bowl 50. We'll be reviewing the weekend's Premier League action and we'll be talking to Billy, the rugby brain box. Um, lads, I'm going to start off with a question for you again. Um, an optimistic Leicester fan who stands to win £25,000 if his team win the Premier League title has just turned down an offer of £3,200 to cash out. Yeah. What uh, would you do? I don't think. Do you think it has ever been like a situation where someone's had a five pound bet before and has turned down like three grand as a cash out? Like I don't know if this is like if there's been any precedent before this, but <laughs> I do it, put it this really bet down on Newcastle every season. Still waiting for Yeah, exactly. Um, I don't know. I think that. I mean, realistically, if someone offered me three grand off a five man grit. I'd take it, but given that they have a five-point lead, <laughs> and if they lose to Arsenal now, what would it be? Would it be down to a two-point lead? I don't know. Um, Twelve games to go, I think. I think if they lose, cause yeah, no, they're, they're they're tied with uh, Spurs on uh, for a second on point difference. Yeah, yeah. So if they lose they to Arsenal points. on the weekend, they'll be down by two points with twelve games to go. So I I don't know. I, I I think I'd be kind of inclined to take it, but it depends. I suppose on the person's financial situation, no. you know, if they're well this, well, this guy, his name's Lee Herbert. He's a carpenter, and he pay, he plays five pounds on the Foxes to win the title at the start of the season at five thousand to one. Yeah, his reasoning it's being incredible. that their strong finish to last <laughs> season, coupled with the appointment of Ranieri as manager, made them worth a punt. <laughs> I don't know how the Ranieri part was made worth a punt, considering yeah, couldn't win a, man, a, ch- ch- they, a premiership with yeah. a, a they strong Chelsea. Couldn't side. beat yeah. the Faroe Islands with Greece. What a two attempts! And no, go, uh, Ranieri's a fantastic manager. He's been around the block yeah. more than most managers. He, he has. Yeah, he's not Sir Alex Ferguson by any. He is coming no. out of one of the lowest points you could possibly be in football management yeah. mm. which is bottom of the Euro group with a, with former, a, with Euro. a former European <laughs> champion yeah <laughs> so taking probably the best the, probably the biggest success story probably since you know in about 34 years it's it's ridiculous he's gone from the lowest to probably the highest point do, do you not think there's a linear effect with uh, Greece's economy and maybe maybe just uh, kind of made the funding into the, the Greece national <laughs> setup? Uh, I'm sure they, most of them will play abroad anyway hey. I mean what do you think the Faroe Island economy is like Brian Kirk got four points off uh, Northern Ireland oh. with, with the Faroe Islands and now that Northern Ireland topped the group, you know, yeah, population the wise, there <laughs> I know it's China, absolutely crazy. But going back to the bit, um, would you say 25? He said 25 grand is a life changing sum, three, three grand, depending on financial uh, situation. Uh, mm. Is it as our situation as, as a oh, student, student. college? You, you might be looking forward to a J1 this summer. I, I, if I, if I was to give advice to him, I'd hold off to the because there's two huge games this weekend there's Man City and Spurs, and there's uh, Arsenal yeah. Leicester. So 
Even if they if they draw or lose and there's a draw in the other game, you know. But if Arsenal win, if the, I don't think that three grand still sits on the table. No, the three I think thousand, it's if Arsenal seven, win, seven eight hundred maybe. Exactly. But yeah. I take it. I take I, I, seven yeah. eight hundred then. What? I think I'd I'd hold out if I was him. Yeah, I, so I, I think I think it's it's too good already. Like it's you it's know, a good story as well. It's a great story. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah. yeah. Well, he, he's not taking it. Not. So no, I'm going to hang in yeah, there. I, I agree with him. No deal. I believe in fairy tales and £25,000 will be a life-changing Lo- Love that. Uh, yes. But say, why doesn't he just go down to his local credit union, take out five grand and put a grand on... Yeah, Arsenal. Arsenal, and a grand on City, yeah. a grand on Spurs. Yeah. yeah. I think that... Yeah, it'd, make, it'd probably make more sense, wouldn't it? Yeah, that's what I'd yeah. do, yeah. But sure, look, we're not him, are we? Yeah, but, uh, I think he's buying into the fairy tales. William, yeah. William Hill have revealed that 12 people have placed that bet. Really? Five pounds. They have to five be pounds, ten of them from Leicester. more. One of them from Asia. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> the Leicester, and one of them, the Leicester yeah. City owner. Yeah. yeah, exactly. One of them, yeah, probably the Leicester City owner or Claudio Ranieri himself, <laughs> which is illegal, but they won't. They won't give. That's confidential. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> They gave it to one of the local lads and just told him to go do it. Yeah. He was given free pizzas though, wasn't he? Was for, he? For, or was free, he? And free beer. Remember when Jamie Vardy broke the record that the gaffer has oh, all the beer? Yeah, 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 and yeah, it was pizza them. another time when they... Uh, I forget who they bet. Maybe it was Chelsea as well. Yeah. Uh, so taking really notes out of John Delaney's book. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's weird because like with their strength and conditioning, by all accounts, they're like leaps and bounds ahead of other clubs. Oh. But as you said, when like when after Vardy kind of broke that equaled, I think he equaled Rude's record, didn't he? Yeah, for consecutive goals in the game, he was just like, oh, thanks very much, lads. We've managed. Gaffer's got a couple of beers for us on the bus, <laughs> so they still have. They've got like the the training techniques of one of the of one of the most professional clubs in world football. But they've got the mentality, I think, of really just something that's above, like a Sunday league team. Yeah. You know what I mean? They still but, have that lower league mentality. I remember Blackpool when they were up four, year, four or five years ago. Um, they were they were going on a decent run around Christmas. They were picking up points. Uh, they were putting up to the big teams. You know, uh, like you know, now and now and again, there's this team that comes up, like Watford. You know, puts it up mm. against the big teams. But uh, they they went through maybe a three game losing streak, and uh, the uh, Ian Holloway uh, sent them. They went to a water park just as a bonding session you know yeah. to keep things and they won their next two I think I think that was so I suppose there is a kind of a bonding thing that goes on you see it in NFL you know it's yeah. a game of principles and you know it makes a man out of you and all that I suppose mm-hmm. that team that team lead, you know the team kind of bonding uh, yeah. they kind of need that and also the, their best I mean you look at their best two players I've seen a stat actually this morning it was something that uh, this season Vardy and Mahrez have got more combined goals and assists than Messi and Ronaldo this yeah. season Maris so, is the first player to go double digits in goals and assists. Yeah, yeah. Really? But you think about their backgrounds, though. Obviously, Jamie's story is very well published. Um, we're coming from League Two just a couple of years ago to all the way up to you know top score yeah. in the Premiership. And with Maris, you also got a guy coming from League Two as well who was was four hundred thousand. Four hundred thousand, yeah. Something He's like that. As well, so they're both like they're both guys who they're not like it's not like you're bringing in an Eden Hazard yeah. or <coughs> you know it's not it's not like a Sergio Aguero where it's a big huge internationally established players. They're, your best two players are two guys that are very from very kind of modest, I suppose, backgrounds. Yeah. So I think it's I think everyone buys into that team mentality, and it's it's I don't know how Ranieri's quite orchestrated it, but he somehow he seems to have like this you know a really good playing culture, and uh, and then from the fitness side of things, the club's leaps and bounds. I think that's that's the big thing is they haven't got this no Champions big, League, no. no Champions League. Um, I don't do not sure what their cup situation is. Um, I mean, obviously, they, don't ha- they haven't they had a big league couple. Lost to Spurs. Spurs. Yeah, so they're really going to. Their only focus is going to be the Premier League from, Which from is here fantastic. on. Fantastic, you know, yeah. Man City. Well, I, I think I was saying uh, Leicester have a potential eighteen 
18 games or I, I don't know what the stat was mm. but Man City have I think 10, 10 games more potentially if they go on a run in the Champions League Yeah. so that's them sort of the Arsenal I think they only have two more games in the Champions League and, and that's against mm. Barcelona and they're going to be out but uh, they're in the they're in the cup as well. Yeah, they're still they're going for their three in a row. Uh, Leicester have their undivided attention on the Premier League. But a question I just was wanted to pose here is Mara's player of the year so far. Yeah, he's he's up there. It's going to be between him, there's Vardy. I mean, there's a couple of other players that are in contention. But I mean, you're like have as to Gav wait said, and see how it pans out because yeah. if Arsenal do make this late run, then you're oh, you'd have Ozil's to say Ozil will be up there. Then. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think Ozil's going to be end up leading in the assists, and then I mean, you have to look at. I mean, if if Spurs have a run, is is Harry Kane going to be up there? Is it going to be Christian Eriksen? Lukaku, um, if Everton, yeah, Everton. Mm-hmm. Although Everton's, I think their form. I don't think. I think you really have to play it. You have to be at least a top four club. Yeah. I think that has to be kind of mm-hmm. like one of the conditions. You know yeah, what I mean? The criteria. Um, I think manager of the year is tied up. I think yeah. I think couldn't it's be too. anyone else. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah uh, definitely. Yeah. I, I think Pochettino's. You know, it's Pochettino honorable mention. Yeah. And I personally, Eddie Howe, for me, uh, although he had, they have spent money, so yeah. that excuse of, uh, of yeah. not spending money is kind of out the window, you know, but I, I think it's, oh, it's tight I up. think there's an argument there for Pochettino as well, what yeah. he's done with the Spurs team, and then also the, the, the players that he's promoting as well. Don't. Like He's promoting a lot of English, a lot yeah. of young English players as well. And then what he did at Southampton, he's translated that over to Spurs as well, so... It's. I really think if it's. It, I think it depends on who's going to finish higher. If it's Spurs or Leicester that finishes higher. Yes. Now whether they're one and two or two and three, but I think whoever gets that that place will probably be manager of the year. I think Pochettino has to be. You know, it has to be appreciated. Like the one word you never associated with Spurs in the past, with all their managers they had is consistency, and that's what Pochettino has brought to the table. That's absolutely mm. fantastic. But Leicester. For me, confirmed top four. I think that's man. I think even if they don't win the Premier League, even if they come fourth, they're. I think he's manager of the year. Yeah. Just for me, you know, my and opinion. Just since since we've been last gracing the airwaves with podcasting, <laughs> Pep Guardiola has officially been announced for Manchester City. Does mm-hmm. this have a bearing on the rest of their season? I think yes, it, I think yeah, the three yeah. one. I think the three one defeat had something to do with it. I I genuinely do. I, I thought that was absolutely bizarre. Uh, that you announce with your team, a team that is still in four competitions. <coughs> uh, I, I potentially, I think, have, has a great chance to win at least the double. You mm-hmm. know, uh, I, I, that's the wrong move in my opinion. Whoever's there in that hierarchy mm-hmm. to announce that is, I, I, even if they, even if they knew and kept it within it's, themselves, it's, yeah, it's not great. Because I mean, why, why, how is that going to benefit your club if you announce that early? Because it, it naturally, I mean, regardless of what anyone says. With the play, it's going to undermine the authority yeah. of the manager mm-hmm. if if they think that the manager's not going to be there long term. Why is it's he like, dropping why, why are we going to listen to him? You know, Pep's yeah. just going to be here yeah. anyway soon. You know, why is he dropping me when next year? Yeah. It's, it's you're not the manager. Yeah. he's not the manager anymore. In in if I was a player in my eyes, yeah. You know? Now I understand Pep coming from maybe a standpoint where he's he wants a, probably a good couple of months to really assess the yeah. situation, assess the playing stock, all that. But then you that should just be between you and the club. Mm-hmm. It serves no purpose. Um, for you know to benefit anyone at the club, if the manager is is not going to be there long term, um, and you have a potential replacement that's not going to be there in five months, it's it's very messy. But I also think that this has been one of the worst kept secrets of football. I think yeah. everyone's kind of really known yeah. this now for I, yeah, yeah. a couple of months, especially I think that's why that. it was publicised. Yeah. Yeah, I think it was probably just confirmation because, I mean, there's yeah, a lot of demands, there's a lot of questions being asked because, I mean, obviously the reporting on it has been fairly good because it's 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 been on everyone's kind of in the back of their minds. Um, but it's, uh, yeah, I think uh, long term, I think it's it's a great 
get in getting Pep. I think it's I think it's it's a fantastic oh, it's acquisition. Exciting. Yeah, I think and I think the Premier League will definitely sue him. Um, but before I think we kind of completely leave the topic of Leicester, what I was wondering, you mentioned before that the last place team is set to receive ninety nine million pounds on their next season's TV deal, not for this year. And but Bayern Munich in the Bundesliga back about fifty four. So what I'm wondering is with Leicester City, are we going to see the end of this big four mentality that we've been really accustomed to since? Well, I mean, the mid nineties, really. Yeah, well, like, do you think Leicester are mm, going to be an anomaly? If this, or if this happened next year, you could almost guarantee that they're in the mix then for every season thereafter. Yeah. But because it's happened this year, because the money's yet to come in, it's not set in stone. It's still they still have a lot of good management to do financially over the summer. Yeah, even, no matter. But where I'm I'm in. seeing like even if we look at like Dimitri Payet and Angelo Agbona coming to West Ham, mm. like Payet's been a revelation. Agbona maybe not so much. But they're really the signings that teams like West Ham would never have made yeah. in yeah. the past. You know, I think that a lot of these teams are attracting genuine. Tevez and Mastrano. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was there was a lot of question marks over that one. Maybe West Ham's the best, a bad example. But yeah. you kind of you know where I'm coming it, from. That, that you know? Olympic yeah. stadiums looking nice. I yeah. Like yeah. No, but think about it. We're talking about the Super Bowl. We're going to talk about that later. Hundred and something million viewers. You know, and mm-hmm. the seven hundred. 700 million in Liverpool and Manchester United. United that's the TV deal coming in yeah. uh, I think Spain is the only other country that kind of sees a, has seen a little bit of a rise in TV revenue as well obviously yeah. because of the big two you know mm. but uh, I, I think the I think the big four is uh, like if Leicester don't get top four next year because I think they're going to get it this year I yeah. think Lanieri gets the sack his expectations are just going to mm. skyrocket after yeah. this it could be I'm not going to say it. there's a slight 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 chance it could be the worst thing for Leicester City the only thing I think that could kind of maybe stop this where the Premier League are just going to be they're just going to become eventually over time just attracting all the best players with the exceptions of your PSG's Barca's Real Madrid yeah. and the whole of China these that's days. what I was just going to mention <laughs> China I think China could be the one curveball that might disrupt players that could have gone to the Premier League but like like Teixeira with Liverpool but are now going off to Jackson China Jackson Martinez yeah, yeah. I, 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 like that's like I, I don't see a market over there that one team isn't gonna people aren't gonna watch that one team play football no. win 3-4-0 every mm. each and every game but I suppose the players aren't really concerned if the money as long as the you know like even Sami Eto going to Anzi Malakai uh, yeah Anzi Makalaka ago. Makalaka <laughs> yeah I mean, the, I mean I'm not too sure he's concerned about TV ratings as long as the, you know, the checks coming through the <laughs> oh, door I think he's person. absolutely <laughs> satisfied yeah, it just says what it, will, it, it tells you what these players are deep down there. Oh, yeah. they're, they're money grabbing, but yeah. that's another topic for another so Moving day. on to more manager movement. There's another rumour out today by Sky Sports about uh, Massimiliano Allegri is going to Chelsea, apparently, Breen. Yeah, um, I wanted uh, I wanted Carlo Ancelotti. That didn't. I wanted Klopp. That didn't happen. I wanted no. Ancelotti. That didn't happen. I had a funny. Pep. I was probably the only person who felt that bias as well. You know, I, I'm going to admit that I thought Pep only because when Mourinho was sacked, I think a day later, uh, Pep said he was announced that he was going to leave. They're two completely different type of managers. I don't know. I just. Uh, I think it's a project. I think you're stable at Chelsea. You're stable at Man City as well. I just, I'm just naive. I just I was just <laughs> being naive. I'm gonna be <laughs> completely honest. But I really wanted Carlo back. I really, really wanted him back because he shouldn't have been sacked. Mm-hmm. I was very angry when he was. Mm-hmm. Although I was angry with his second last game when we went to Old Trafford to win the league. He's we we needed to win and he started two defensive midfielders and then we conceded after 73 seconds or something. <laughs> and then and then and then he dragged Alex off because uh, he messed up or something straight away after two minutes. He saw him off but anyway uh then there's Simeone you know uh-huh. uh I don't know I don't think he's gonna leave that's it yeah. but he might though with the transfer ban he's, 
You yeah, know? that could be that could be an influence. But from what I've read, it seemed like he was very in linked with Atletico because he's been. He just recently spoke. Torres scored his hundred goal finally for Atletico, and he said, uh, "Even with the ban, I want him to score ten goals in the second half of the season, or I'm not going to sign him on because his contract is up at the end." And mm. there's a lot of rumors if Torres is going to go to stay side. But going back to Allegri. There's been it was always Conte who was linked in the past mm. with with the Chelsea job and you you even said you you'd be more in, in, of the expertise in, in Italian football but uh, Conte and Allegri are hand in hand. It's probably a, it's an easy option for Roman Abramovich to go for either of those because they'll just continue the style of Mourinho probably yeah. without as much um, fireworks on the touchline but it's they wouldn't need a huge overhaul of the squad. Yeah, like it's it's who who else that's. Yeah, that's what I, I look at. I think Simeone, Simeone, yeah, Simeone kind of fits that bill yeah. as well, yeah. doesn't he? Really, I think I think it's that's it's very, very interesting very because that's I mean last season Chelsea undoubtedly the most complete team I think in the Premiership from back to front, mm-hmm. um, but a very kind of defensively sound team yeah. as well. So I think that that's probably what they're looking to do. I think they they must be somewhere in the owner bridge, and I don't know. Who, if it's Abramovich that really has? I mean, he's the final say of the owners, but who makes the key football decisions in that club? I'd I'd say he makes the manager. I'd say he makes the manager decision. There's yeah. people that advise him, obviously. That's what but, I was thinking because but, I think there might not be. Are they willing? Because if you're gonna go with a different manager, if you're gonna go for someone who's probably more like a, like a Pep or a Jurgen Klopp, yeah. you'd think that you'd need an overhaul of the squad, yes. wouldn't you? But I think if you're gonna go with an Allegri or a, a Simone, I think that I think what you're backing is you're backing that these guys can very much implement a similar game plan to Jose but maybe make a couple of differences moving on anyway uh, the Liverpool game was on Saturday <laughs> fans walked out after so did McKnight <laughs> so did the rest of the team apparently they say you'll never walk alone but they finished the game alone and they threw two, <laughs> they threw two points away <laughs> uh, I, I think that's a fair it's but then again they, they didn't walk alone because they all left the stadium together so yeah. it's, it's kind of like a mix isn't it even it's Jermaine a- Defoe got a goal like, that's, <laughs> that's not a common thing anymore it's a nice goal as well would you, would you have done it uh, yeah, I, I think seventy-seven pounds is you know I think it's like it's it's I think the, if you look at probably Liverpool's revenue stream now I don't have the numbers all in front of me, um, but I'm gonna say a lot of their money is coming through merchandise and sponsorship. Yeah. Like I don't really know how much is really coming through tickets. Um, now, if you want to make that like jump um, and put it up to seventy-seven pounds for next season, I think it is a bit steep to be honest. Um, and I, I think. But I think then there's the demand for that Liverpool. But I don't think you're. I think you're straying away from what the club has really been. And the club, it really has one of the best fan bases mm. in world football, definitely in English football. Um, so if you're kind of going for a more corporate, even if you see, did anyone see the the designs they've had for they're changing all the corporate boxes and stuff at Liverpool? They're, they're think, extending the stadium. I think. Yeah, I think they're looking. Well. I think they're honestly looking for a bit of a different crowd. Maybe you know. I oh, think yeah. they're looking for maybe a bit more. Um, the tourists a bit more in, of a tour- yeah, yeah a bit more people the flying exactly the, the sandwich the sandwich the sandwich and crowd yeah the shrimp and scampi brigade yeah um, as Roy Keane kind of affectionately calls uh, them he, um, Henry the owner you know he he's, he also owns the Boston Red Sox it's a very similar situation there mm-hmm. they have a small stadium it's always full I hate the Boston Red Sox Fenway. from a yeah. uh, Yankees <laughs> point of view uh, but Fenway Park is one of the smaller it's historical it's abs- yeah. it, it just well, it's, very, it's very similar to Anfield in that yeah kind of it's 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 old but it, it generates an atmosphere you mm-hmm. know uh, I think it's only uh, maybe three fifths the size of Yankee Stadium you know other stadiums are bigger than Yankee Stadium mm-hmm. as well but it always is full and you can say the same with Liverpool but maybe a bigger stadium they can drop the price supply demand I was t- uh, um, there's been talks about you know uh 
Stanford Bridge is being yeah. uh, 20,000 more seats West Ham are getting a load of more seats you know 50,000 seater stadium now yeah. uh, Whitehart Lane is the same so maybe hopefully with this these extended stadiums the prices will go down but I highly I doubt know. it just it, with commercial it would, be, it would be sad if they lose that kind of key group of fans because you did have something similar with the United fans remember the United fans mm. a couple of years when the Glazers came in they, they went off and bought the their own green. league club yeah Salford <laughs> Um, no, it wasn't yeah, Salford. FC, uh, FC United, United Manchester. FC, yeah, well, exactly yeah. right. So, I think, it, and and I'd, I'd hate to see for Liverpool, which really has one of the most vocal fan bases mm-hmm. as well, especially when it comes to singing and atmosphere. Especially when they're losing their sing. Yeah, if you and lost that kind of thing, it'd be a real shame in football to replace it with you know, um, a, a more of a people who walk kind of out after they're losing and yeah, and, you know, like they're losing two 0 eighty minutes gone, the stadium empties. Like yeah, exactly. I wouldn't like to see that. It and wouldn't I, be a great look. Like none of us are Liverpool fans, and it's kind of funny when that this thing they do this do happen, but for just for football's sake, mm. I wouldn't like to see it happen. No. Absolutely not. Right, well, moving on to rugby now. I'm joined in the studio by uh, Billy Keenan, our rugby correspondent. So we welcome to the studio, Billy. Billy, what did you think of the Wales game there on the weekend? Um, I was very, very happy with it. Uh-huh. You know, going into it, there was a lot of pessimism. I don't think mm-hmm. a lot of people were were looking to come away with with the victory. So a draw is, all things considered, you know, quite quite happy with a draw. Yeah, that's what I couldn't really understand either. I think it was um, there was only one mainstream kind of Irish rugby correspondent that was. Tipping kind of Ireland to win. Yeah. Um, now he's, his name's escaping me at the moment, but the large majority was a lot of people were something. I think Gavin Comiskey might have said that it was the worst Irish team that might have been played in the last eighteen years. Something like that. Yeah. Something like that. There was a couple of people <laughs> that referenced it as the word, like, which I thought was a bit bizarre. I know there was a lot of injuries. Obviously, there's no he, Paul. There's no Peter Martin. Yeah. When we were watching it uh, with uh, one of our friends' mothers, she was naming all these players like injured, injured, <laughs> injured, injured, yeah, injured, injured. But I mean, Se- seven front line players from the pack were missing. Uh, yeah. Not a bad back line, in fairness. Yeah. No, it was a decent no. back line because it was. They're saying that the. I, they, they come out with this that the Welsh pack is bigger yeah. when they came down to scrum our, we were a bigger pack yeah. you know, overall but they yeah. did better than us on the day, on the day uh, in yeah. scrum time but in the scrums especially yeah that was one kind of particular area of concern but I mean I thought a really good start because I mean we really kind of hit them you mean, no, 100 miles an hour definitely um, yes. there wasn't a lot of offloads which I kind of did it was the kind of really quick recycling of the ball and kind of go again mm-hmm. um, the Wales have always been I think traditionally very strong kind of defensive team but I think it was the scrums were kind of an area of concern but also what I thought as well which I think was our downfall against Argentina was we defended very narrow yeah. and that when I think Argentina exposes time and time again just going yeah. sideline to sideline Schmitz even said that himself he said that um, he was the defence was lauded and praised and he mm-hmm. said well I don't think Wales are going to attack us as out wide as Argentina did right so he said we're not gonna we're not gonna talk about defense as a as a big plus mm-hmm. until we get tested as out wide as much as Argentina did. Yeah, yeah. And then the scrum, I think Nathan White had a particularly bad game. Yeah, by his standards, I'm not gonna go into you know ripping him out of it, but I think by his standards, even scrum wise, he wouldn't mm-hmm. have been happy with it. And then Rob Evans, I don't know where this guy came from. He came, <laughs> he either started or came off from the bench against Italy last year, mm-hmm. and. He was torn apart by an underperforming Castro Giovanni, but um, he seemed to get 
to get the upper hand at the weekend, definitely. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's one area we did kind of really miss is Mike Ross. Um, now, I haven't been yeah. the biggest Mike Ross fan in years because I, I often look at him, and especially when I suppose Kane Healy was really in his prime and he's selling as well. Look at all this work that Kane's doing around the park, and you look yeah. at Mike in consideration in comparison, and you're like, oh, geez, Kane's doing twice the work. But when you look at Mike Ross's scrum time, he's probably definitely up there amongst the yeah. world's best scrummagers. So I think it was really kind of missed um, yeah. having having him in the side. Although I did I did like the performance of Jack McGrath. Now someone who had a really big breakout performance was CJ Stander. Oh. Um, now many of us, if you've been watching CJ for most of the season, we, he's been very impressive for Munster, I and mean, a lot of us expect him to replicate his form for Munster in Ireland jersey. Player. Yeah, how did you think? How did you assess his performance, and what do you think is long term chances of Ireland once Peter O'Matney returns? Yeah, he. I think he had six or seven carries after tw- twenty minutes, and that's mm. that's phenomenal in in your debut. You know, uh, he didn't shy away. That's what it shows. Uh, Peter Armani, though, you, you know, the two monster boys. Uh, it's it's hard to see if he could stick stick in it, but uh, he's put up a platform now. If he could, it's more of a consistency. Consistency is an issue mm-hmm. um, because. You know, one-off game. You can't really judge too much on that. Uh, but he's an absolutely fantastic player. It's too small for for South Africa. Yeah, no, <laughs> I, I didn't. He didn't really look too small to me. He looked like he was appropriately sized and ready for just what you said about consistency. I think something that even affected Rob Penny while he was at Munster, the Munster head coach, yeah. when he was there, that he wasn't being picked, and everyone was asking why this this raw power wasn't being played. That he just didn't have the the intricacies, maybe yeah. the, mm. the consistency. And he's gotten considerably better. He has, at that. yeah. Yeah, um, he has tended, I think, to drop off in the bigger games. Mm-hmm. Uh, in Anthony Foley's first year, the likes of versus Saracens, he was non-existent. I know he did pick up a knock early on, but something that he's definitely gotten better with this year is maintaining a very good level for all games. He mightn't be as hugely explosive in one. And mm. then you don't hear about yeah. him for the rest, but he's been he's been leading the way for Munster yeah, this season. Munster, even when they've been poor for, for that stretch, few stretch of games where they they were absolutely appalling. Ian yeah. Keatley, you know, mm. dragged negative headlines, booing yeah. off the pitch. Yeah. The fans, Munster fans, walking out. You know, CJ Sander has always been the yeah. kind of bright light. You he know, literally is the one player that I don't think he can really follow. I think he's probably the form player in Irish rugby. I think he has yes. been the whole season, and and not only that, he's also got a sneaky try scoring. <laughs> Right. I think he's <laughs> he, like 12 he picked tries up that ball like that. at the base of the rock, and I just said yeah. to my dad, "I said he scores these nine times out of ten. Yeah, he, yeah. I don't know where it comes and, from, and it probably it was hard to tell because I, don't, I forget who was the guy who tackled, but he literally you couldn't make it out yeah. to get the ball down. I think, think Tipperick just got a yeah. like a yeah. tie yeah. underneath, yeah, like, and yeah. the ref just said, "Look, we can't." You know, they couldn't see, even though I think it was. Uh, I think Conor Murray was pointing that it was yeah. down. He could probably see that it, it ball the contact, some bit of the ball was on the ground, but television, you know, the cameras didn't get it, you know. So yeah. fair enough. Yeah, and he's been, and I, and I think he's also he's a, he's a, he's a good leader because I mean, as you said, he's something like six carries in in um in a, like twenty minutes, and he's always from Munster anyway. I, I didn't see the stats in the weekend, but he's always amongst the top tacklers as well. Yes. Yeah. So he's an absolute workhorse, and and I don't really know. What kind of grasp of English he has? Because I, I think he's he's predominantly African speaking, but by all accounts, from what I've heard of Munster this year, he's very much a leader by his actions, how he conducts himself, how he carries himself. I think he's getting better as a vocal leader. But my concern is now is that I suppose Heaslip has been a long big favourite of Schmidt for a while now. Yes, and we have to assume after the World Cup, Peter Martin he's going to go straight back into six. Um, we have to probably assume that Sean O'Brien is probably one of the world's best sevens, so he's going to probably play still play at open side. 
So I think it's really going to be between Heaslip and and Stander for who gets that number yeah. eight jersey. I think Heaslip now getting at thirty two years of age. Um, he's still, you know, he's still. He was phenomenal he was good, against good Wales. Good performance yeah. in the weekend. Yeah, he, a lot of turnovers. A lot of turnovers. I haven't been a big fan of James yeah. Slip for a while. Yeah, um, I've been kind of questioning. I'm a fan of a nice ball carrying number eight, mm-hmm. and he's he's almost like an extra seven in the yeah. tackling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he's like He used to be a very yeah. good ball carrier. Yeah, um, and, and like, he's still a solid player. He's good. He's also oh, a, good a solid player. Third liner option, but yeah. when we look at. Amatney O'Brien Amatney's just an absolute workhorse <laughs> carry the ball defend turnovers gains yards every time Sean he O'Brien's probably one of the and best ball carriers back yeah. rowers in rugby and now you know so it's going to be really like I know he's, the, he's also a good leader as well so it's going to be I can eventually see Stanner probably overtaking him but yeah. I think for the moment as long as Amatney's out I think Stanner's going to be Stander loyal deputy yeah. 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 I agree, yeah. yeah but it's uh, it will be interesting in the long term battle but um, I suppose it, it's it's how long I suppose Jamie can probably look after his body at this stage yeah. and, and probably extend his prime um, but it will be an interesting one to watch going forward now another guy who's looking to probably return this week will be Rob Carney I think he was a late scratch during the week in the build up the Wales um, but how do we think this will affect Simon Zebo? another probably favourite of Schmitz has been Carney over the years um, but I mean Zebo's probably pr- proven to be just as apt on the wing as he is a full back but judging on that performance I really couldn't False, just one bad else. kick. Yeah. It's just uh, kind of uh, he got yeah, kind of confused or something. He didn't know what to do, and he just kicked it out of play. It seemed that's right uh, on, out in the full. Uh, but I, I, you either love or you hate Zebo. Zebo is prone to make the mistakes. There has mm-hmm. been questions about his tackling as well. But I think he just has that that magic that Ireland have been missing, especially in the World Cup. You know th- mm-hmm. that there has been questions about kind of creativity and stuff. Yeah, I'd agree. So uh, uh, it's it's tough to see, but you know Rob Kearney is Rob Kearney. He's had cemented that position. For years now, and uh, that's a quest. It's a it's a good dilemma to have, I suppose. But it's one that he's going to have to take into deep consideration against France, you know, because mm-hmm. France, if they get if they start getting their their champagne rugby cliche, that seems to be the word of the week. Uh, <laughs> yeah. If 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 that's if he if they start getting going, it's I'm not sure if Zebo is going to be up to the task of you know last ditch tackles, mm-hmm. which has been his big question mark in, mm-hmm. in the past few years. Yeah, I think the case with Zebo is that. <clears throat> Just you know, focus on the positive first. Yeah. His running lines, his um, his offloads, and just his general excitement when mm-hmm. he gets the ball is definitely a positive. And it's it's not something that a whole lot of Irish players have that he yeah. could do anything from yeah. anywhere. The negatives, and um, it's definitely something that Schmidt is not a fan of, is his he's prone to mistakes. Mm-hmm. And when Joe Schmidt talks about these moments in a match and building pressure and phases you know a kick straight into touch yeah. that's a bad exit that's a definite no-no and something that will will undermine his selection is that Rob Kearney okay he mightn't be the flair the panache but he's solid and yep. reliable yeah. <clears throat> uh, something that was brought up was Zebo's, you know performance in the air and they were talking about how Dan Bigger got the best uh, of him a couple of times Dan Bigger is a, is a phenomenal athlete yeah. Yeah. in his own right purely for his kicks up in the air mm. and regathering I, I mm-hmm. don't know how he does it yeah. and he was doing it with a taped up foot yeah. for a large yeah, part uh, of that game yeah. as well <laughs> hobbling around the field. hobbling around <laughs> and as soon as he kicks that ball no he's gone and he gets it so I think Zebo had a tough task with bigger on the field but um, I think I think those few mistakes that he makes it, it, it's going to hurt him yeah. selection wise if Rob just because Rob Kearney's more consistent yeah I, I think so too and I, I definitely think when you can play, consider you're playing in a competition like the Six Nations which is 
I mean, we've only seen one round this this season, but I mean, predominantly a lot of kicking and put in comparison, probably more to the rugby championship. Mm-hmm. So you need someone who's definitely the solid under the high ball. Now, I think I probably agree with both of you. I think that um, Zebo plays with a level of like off the cuffness, if that's a word, that a, a probably heads up kind of play that yeah. in comparison to probably other players that m- traditionally a lot of Irish players doesn't have. And from what I've seen, I remember he played in last in the opening weekend of last year's championship, and he's actually a, a pretty decent second receiver. So yeah. I mean, with Henshaw and and Payne, Henshaw probably doesn't. It's probably more of that traditional power, big ball carrying number twelve. So when the Sexton's out of the play, it would be nice to have probably a secondary receiver yeah. in Zebo. But I think you know, with, with, with Carney, even though he's probably got nothing that's ex- really exceptional in terms of passing, breaking lines, all that kind of stuff that you might expect from maybe some other other fullbacks like your Ben Smiths or Willie LaRue's or whatnot. Um, he's very solid and he's very dependable yeah. and I think that Schmidt kind of looks towards those things. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see Carney probably walk straight back in. Um, now the question would be then would Zebo retain his spot on the side? And based on the weekend's performance and especially Earl's defensively made a number of big tackles. Yeah. Um, well, Earl's concussion could could help Zebo get into that position. That's right. Definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. Now we still have to see how we, he how Earl's handles <coughs> with the return to play protocols. Um, in which case, I think if Earl's is unable to play, I'd have to say that Zebo probably keep a spot on the wing um, with Dave Carney continuing By default, on the bench. Yeah. yeah. And then, if, but if he's not, I, I do think he could probably could be relocated to the bench. In which case, it'd probably be him or Carney to see. I guess that's remaining spot. Um, now, one of the things that uh, one of the storylines that I suppose a lot was leading up into the weekend is what would happen with Paddy Jackson. Um, now, with Sexton's kind of poor form and concussion history, I think there was a lot of talk as if if Jackson if he's going to come into his own into a number ten role here. Now, he was left out of the squad completely um, with Ian Madigan getting on the bench. Do we think that's fair or unfair? What do what do you think has probably held Jackson back from being, you know, in, in, I suppose? Overtaking Sexton, and then even even in not the case that he's not ready to overtake Sexton, even deputising for him. I'm a big Madigan fan. Right, I'm a big Madigan fan. Um, I really enjoyed him while uh, Sexton was away. I can't remember what it was. It was the year before Gopperth arrived, mm-hmm. and he he really took control of that jersey. And I know a lot of a lot of Leinster fans, you know, weren't that worried about Sexton leaving with mm-hmm. Madigan's form. As of late, his decision to leave. It hurts. I think he's an exciting player. He's mm-hmm. definitely got something Zebo-esque about him in the sense that he can do a lot of things from anywhere. Mm-hmm. But Paddy Jackson has been phenomenal yeah. up in Ulster. I think the North is Jackson's. There's yeah. no question who is the starting 10 up there. And he's just been, he's almost been given a province to make his own yeah. Yeah. and to control. And he's <laughs> the been king. Like, yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, even with Ruin P- Pienaar, definitely helped. Yeah. Especially after yeah. that debut in Murrayfield, brought him back, given him confidence. I don't think Madigan's got that. He had Gopperth to tussle with in Leinster. Mm-hmm. No one really knew. I think we all knew Gopperth was was uh, Matt O'Connor's man, although he didn't like to say. And in fairness, G- Madigan never did enough to overtake Gopperth. He was no. always consistent, but he never did enough to to warrant Gopperth being dropped because Gopperth was solid, but. Now with with Jackson's form and the tussle over the ten jersey, I I, I was disappointed that Jackson wasn't uh, picked on the bench mm-hmm. purely because of his form. I think the only thing that's held him back is that spell he got th- three years ago, mm-hmm. and he, it was it was a bit of a nightmare for him. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I know a lot of fans were sh- just shaking their head. It's too it's just too early for him. You know, mm-hmm. uh, under that spotlight. Yeah. But if maybe if it makes it his own, like he had the shadow of Ronan O'Gara and you know Johnny Sexton coming on as well. Yeah. So, you know, if 
I, I think I'm not sure if people are willing to trust him yet. Uh, Joe Schmidt is a different, you know, it's a different coach. Maybe he might see something different in the future. But it was very strange that he just well, even deputized, you know, because Madigan, yeah. Madigan's future has been up in the air for a while, and it's, it yeah. kind of seems a little bit unfair with Pat, with Jackson kind of fixed. Yeah, it's very weird because in the weekend before when Leinster were playing against, uh, I think it was the Scarlets. No, it wasn't Scarlets. It was the Dragons. Sorry, the Dragons. Yeah. Madigan was on the bench for that game, mm-hmm. and I just assumed, okay, I was like, right, well, Madigan's obviously out of the picture here. Yeah, you know, it's going to be Paddy Jackson on the bench. Yeah, Madigan's getting punished because he's going to go Bordeaux. He's not even starting for Leinster when Johnny Sexton's not available. So yeah. I was thinking, this is it. But then you know, Madigan gets named on the bench. And I think Madigan's versatility has really kind of held him back. Usually it's an option, you know, it's an advantage for most yeah. players. But for him, I think he really needs to settle in at number 10 or 12. I think it has to be kind or of one other. or the other. Yeah, because he's not going to get, he's just, he hasn't seemed to get a break. So I do think with Sexton now, I think he's 31 and a long list of concussion kind of history, which I think is eventually, now that's another separate issue that I think he can get into on another day. But with regards, to, I think it's going to be a battle between Madigan and Se- and and. Jackson going forward in years to come as to who's going to be battle left. It could be like an O'Gara Humphrey situation yeah. where you never know who's going to get until one really kind of asserts themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, with Madigan, I think he's exceptionally talented. I just like to see him get more concrete time in the one position. Yeah. And I, I think at Bordeaux, it's actually a good move for him because there's going to be nothing that's, you know, it's not going to limit him. Um, and because even with Lens, there's a couple of options they can go through a fly half. Uh, so I think it's I think it's good for Irish rugby, and I think it's well. It's unfortunate for Paddy Jackson. Maybe his big kicks. Um, he's had a, a couple of kicks uh, this season where he, I watched him against Munster a couple of weeks ago, where he, he missed a couple of crucial kicks that could have won the game. But then at the same time, in the Champions Cup, he had a, he kicked one from about fifty to win the this game. Is Jackson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely. So it's 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 a kind of a missing match. But for the moment, it seems like Schmidt is going to be going with uh, Madigan for the time being. But it will be one to keep an eye on going forward. It's, it would be interesting to see who he'd pick to start if Sexton was injured. Yeah. 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 Well, it was Madigan during the World Cup, I suppose. That's what I'm saying the, about Madigan. Yeah, That's why he's got the shout. I think it's strictly just because of the World Cup. Yeah. I think that has to be because he was phenomenal when he when he was asked, you know, to yeah, in the shoes of Sexton. It's quite interesting. That's in the back of Schmidt's mind, I'd say. Because Cullen, you know, Cullen hasn't been playing Madigan a lot this season. No. It's always Sexton or it's Ben Teo, it's inside centre or... Um, Luke Fitzgerald but I mean it obviously with Smith it definitely seems like Madigan is still his kind of go-to guy um, so it will be interesting to see how that one develops now just moving on to France I suppose we'll play a difficult game at, at the start of France this weekend I mean going there has traditionally never been easy but over the last few years um, I suppose it's probably been it's probably no better time to play France um, now Billy you, you were watching it on the weekend uh, now from what I've seen with Vekatawa I hope I got that one right yeah. um, <coughs> Jonathan Dante getting produced getting promoted to the starting lineup. they seem to be going for more of an attacking game plan Um how do you how did you assess them on the weekend and do you think there's any improvement or is this going to be the same as the San Andre era? I don't think it's going to be the same as the Saint Andre era because I think just from that performance it'll be interesting to see how they develop over the course of the tournament. But I think Guinoves has brought back the confidence and the appetite to play. Their mm. set piece wasn't fantastic, their defence definitely wasn't, but with the likes of Vakatawa, even Dante and Gail Fiku in the centre. Um, I think they have that ability to, you know, the cliche to attack from anywhere mm-hmm. with the flair and the champagne that they can. And I think bringing back that confidence and the, you know, the confidence that they can they can play that way, I think that's 
that's a step that San Andre yeah. definitely didn't have. They yeah. can they can bring in coaches, they can bring in defense, um, you know, experts. But to have that confidence mm-hmm. brought back in is definitely something that I think Noves has brought back. Mm-hmm. In terms of against them uh, against Ireland at the weekend, I think the the six day turnaround is definitely going to hurt. Yeah, Jack McGrath. I, I've, Jack McGrath's a fantastic player, and he played eighty minutes of international rugby. That guy must be in bits this week. <laughs> I don't know how he couldn't. He was Ireland's yeah. joint well, leading most tackler. props are gone after about yeah. 60 minutes, you know. Maybe um, not Sunday, but Monday when he woke <laughs> up. Yeah. 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 Um, so, you know, just the, the hurt bodies. And um, I think I think that's definitely played into into the bookies who have mm-hmm. France's favourites. Yeah, I was just going to go on to that. France yeah. was France's slight favourites, which I did kind of find odd because, the, I mean, Ireland's record, the win percentage must be something up at 75%. I think France must have to be about below fifty percent mm. over the last couple of seasons, oh, which, is, which is ridiculous yeah. given you know <coughs> given the stature and and the tradition of French rugby. Um, where do you think this comes from? Do you think that I mean because on, on form on the performance against Italy on the weekend, home I suppose Ireland advantage. maybe a home field advantage. Yeah. I say would Iron have to find be it tough to win instead of France. Yeah, yeah, would have to be the probably reasons why France are installed as favourites. Yeah, and then there's just the the old cliche that France just. Assume that they're better than Ireland. <laughs> yeah, you know? they do. Yeah, I think Which that isn't a bad thing. No, I think not for us anyway. Oh. I think that they've had two of their best performances under the Saint Andre era was against Ireland. Mm-hmm. Their performance in the Stade de France against Ireland, O'Driscoll's last match, I thought was a fantastic mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. And even in Ireland, they they came very close yeah. to beating us. Mm-hmm. They seemed to pull it out of the hat. Just this this air that I oh, know we're going to beat Ireland because we're France and yeah. they're Ireland, and then the Stade de France factor as well I don't think Ireland particularly there might be a bit of a stigma going there yeah. I think definitely the two wins and the two draws has, has maybe taken the sting out of it a bit yeah. but definitely the Stade de France and Ireland away is playing into Probably that played into yeah. It. yeah it'll be it'll be a massive game and I, I do think it's one that Ireland can hopefully bounce back from but I mean it all depends on probably the side we see and I hate to say because it, it literally is the most overused cliche in, in, in all sport. of sport yeah. but it in does sport. really depend what France team yeah. turns up it doesn't matter what it is because I do think we have to give credit to Italy because even when we've seen Ireland in the World Cup yeah. I think they're getting a better side so when they beat Italy by two points at home I think it's probably more probably to do with Italy than maybe than France but yeah. I mean this weekend will probably be a better tell of that um, and just, just before like um, the injuries the likes of Carney coming back yeah. uh, mm-hmm. there's talk of Ross coming back and O'Brien um, that's three players who are battered and bruised and them coming back could definitely help in that six day turnaround yeah. situation oh, it's yeah. fresh fresh legs as well yeah. it's not even like yeah. they're coming in fresh after not, they didn't even play the Wales game yeah. Yeah. so that's absolutely vital I think uh, it's going to be a close one I, think. I don't think any team is going to take it by the scruff of the neck and run away no. with it I really think that, that there's a mental factor there that uh even with Ireland's kind of doubtful nature going into, mm-hmm. I, I said uh, when you said that France think that they're better than us. I think that's a good a good thing for us, but that's also a bad thing because uh, I, I just think France's cockiness might just push them yeah. over the line. Uh, it, it's in rugby, in soccer, in all of sport, uh, but you never know. I I, yeah. I think we'll win. Well, they were fairly cocky against New Zealand, and that didn't work out <laughs> so well. For them. Um, now, finally, probably the saddest news that we've probably heard uh, in, in rugby in a while, and, and in Irish rugby in a while. But I think it's inevitable that this day was always coming for years now. Yeah. Um, Paul O'Connell has retired. Great player, great captain, great man. Is there a player you can think of that has contributed more to Irish rugby than Big Paulie? We were talking about this just off air before we came in. I don't. I don't really know. You know. Uh, I only started really paying attention to rugby 
and Paul O'Connell was still in his 30s mm-hmm. and look at everything he's done <laughs> yeah. since then yeah, so you look at the likes of you know Alan Wynne Jones who's just turned 30 mm-hmm. what he can do in, in the next few years but I don't know maybe someone like you know Willie John McBride who is this Lions legend possibly but yeah. I think Paul O'Connell it, it's kind of hard there's a romantic notion about previous players mm-hmm. it's hard to maybe you know he, uh, you know, we're a bit humble Different about it. Generation but yeah, it, I think yeah. Paul O'Connell is, is definitely up there in, in terms of his performances and, and contribution for Ireland. Yeah, yeah, it, it, it's a hard one to say. I do think William John McBride's a good shot because he was the first kind of big, you know, second row, yeah. or the big kind of first way famous Irish player that would be kind of known in other countries. I mean, you've captain of the Lions. Um, and then obviously Brian O'Driscoll I think was really recognised as our first real yeah. kind of superstar at least the Irish kind of superstar where he was kind of constantly in talks of being the best player in the world at any given moment but then I, I just suppose just from a leadership perspective uh, a cultural kind of hero I mean that manic aggression video went viral <laughs> it's one of the most famous videos in rugby I, I think just his just selflessness and constantly giving himself to the team and being a, a good leader a, a person that was always kind of you were kind of attracted to the Irish rugby team because you had figures like Paul O'Connell who seemed very approachable, very down to wear kind of people. Even for but fans, then, it's, it's one of the he's one of the Irish fans as well, one of yeah, the monster fans as well from yeah. a monster perspective. Yeah, you can go up to him and talk to him, mm. and I can imagine it's the same thing as if you're a young you're a young gun in the monster team in in Ireland team for oh, selection. Your I, first cap, you go to Paul O'Connell and yeah. you look for advice. But like you know, Ron O'Gara retired, Brian O'Driscoll retired, Paul O'Connell. It hasn't deteriorated since Ron no, O'Gara. No. You can nearly say it's just gone up and up and up so he has to be among the, the I, I Irish elite definitely don't think there's I definitely think there's no coincidence between the Ireland run of the sorry, mid-2000s where you went on a couple of triple crowns you had yeah. the monster teams winning Heineken Cups mm-hmm. even these last couple of six there's no there's no coincidence that yeah. Paul O'Connell's been there and you can just see I think the, the only it's a pity that the only really limited footage that we've seen is that with that RT doco years ago how you really see him in the changing room yeah. there's been a couple of Lions videos where you see it but I mean it, an absolute legend of the game and, and someone who conducts himself um, and probably has really left a really strong culture behind him in Irish rugby oh, that hopefully oh, definitely. other people can pick up I mean in Leinster <clears throat> you hear people talking about the likes of Brad Thorne coming in mm-hmm. and just just setting a new standard in your your dedication, your work off the field. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Paul O'Connell has definitely left one of those in the Irish camp, mm-hmm. without a shadow of a doubt. Um, his help, you know, bringing on the likes of Devon Toner as well, has, has yeah. definitely helped in, in making him a bit of a more complete player. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, you know, it'd be really interesting to sit down with one of them or even the likes of Ian Henderson and yeah. see. Well, what have you picked up? What was he like? Something like yeah, that. Yeah, Tony Ryan and whatnot. I'm what sure yeah. he's left. He's left a lot. What do you think is his next next step? Do you think he could go into coaching? You'd have to say so. Yeah, I mean, like, it, but then again, he, he handles himself. When you see him in the media, he's quite a funny yeah. guy as oh, well. It's so I, yeah. I, I could see an e- I could see an easy transition into media as well. Um, but I, I don't know. It's a really fifty fifty yeah. one. I'd say, I'd say coaching, but. It'd have to be probably some part of maybe a monster forwards coach or, or something like yeah. that. But there's already a, there's a guys like Mick O'Driscoll that are already there, so it will be interesting to see. Yeah. Um, but I'm, I'm sure he's probably going to put his feet up, and he's probably enjoying a nice glass of wine in France somewhere yeah. at the moment. <laughs> so I, I don't think that'll be too bad for him. Um, now, guys, we'll probably quickly just move on to the Super Bowl. Um, obviously, the you know the biggest event in in American sports, um, which was. Probably, I mean, from I, I mean, we watched it at the pub, so it was only kind of you know somewhat you can gauge. But by all accounts, from the reaction that I've seen, it's been uh, one of the worst halftime shows. And then as a spectacle itself, the game was kind of largely kind of not everyone thought it was the most attractive game either. Um, what were your thoughts on the game? It's two defenses 
cancel the, the offences out. I think the two first drives for both teams showed really the intent and what mm-hmm. was going to happen and unfold. In hindsight, you could say that easily, but if you look at it, Peyton Manning marched up. I know they only got three points. They kicked kicked over a field goal, but he marched up in mm-hmm. very quick time. Uh, I'd, I'd say it was around a minute, minute and a half. Yeah. And then, you know, Cam Newton, I think he got a first down, but punted it away straight away. And it was, they were struggling ever since just from their first play, their first drive. Uh, Cam Newton didn't settle at all. Yeah. Uh, he went for a few of his, his trademark runs, got a few first downs, but every time he, he had time in the pocket when he did, because mm-hmm. Von Miller was... <laughs> Von Miller was lurking <laughs> but, or always there about but like it was every time he did get that time and his offensive line did show up, it seemed every time he threw the coverage was just oh, it was super glue to, to the to the people they were picking up. The secondary was just the immense pressure. You know, balls bouncing in, hands just getting in before mm-hmm. before a receiver could grab onto it, you know? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know that that's demoralizing as a quarterback, especially in the Super Bowl. At your first, you're young, and the the, the attention yeah. around you. I think it just yeah. all got to Cam Newton. There's definitely like a lot of pressure there. I mean, I mean, for Manning, someone who's been there, done it, everything, mm. and, and I really kind of, I really felt like both teams assumed their kind of quarterbacks' personalities. Yeah. Um, I really kind of felt like Denver. They weren't too much flash, brash. You know, it was very much. Which is why I think they weren't fa- like they weren't favorites. You know, they 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 they've kind of crept in. Uh, yeah. It's a shock how they got they they've won the Super Bowl. It actually, is a shock that they yeah, won the Super Bowl. I think they're probably fourth best AFC 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 team. You know, yeah. Um, just because they did have injuries, you know, uh, mm. they had Osweiler in it. It worked and it didn't work, you know. And they kind of needed Peyton Manning, who was half injured, to come on. I think it was week sixteen, where uh, he only threw for I think fifty something yards, but they they needed the touchdown to kind of clinch the. The mm-hmm. AFC, you know, uh, the championship, but uh, you know, it's it's been a shock for Denver. Although I think it would have been more of a shock if the Chiefs won after being one and five down uh, after six, you know six yeah. weeks, yeah. and they went on that unbelievable unbeaten streak. But uh, I back I back Carolina. You know, I thought that they have both. They had both. They have the unbelievable offense, and they have mm-hmm. a really really good defense. Pass rush. I think they're eleventh in the regular season, which is mm-hmm. it's good. It's not. You know, it's not the Denver, but you know, defenses can still win you Super Bowls, which is good to see, but not from a spectacle from point a of view. Spectacle point. I mean, obviously, if we look at last year's Super Bowl between uh, New England yeah. and Seahawks, that was you know right down to the wire. Mm. Where this one was just like it was just a kind of turnover fest. I mean, if you're really into defense, I suppose it was probably you know you might be um, if you're really into your X's and O's, especially defensive side yeah. of the ball, it'd probably be entertaining at that point. But I suppose a lot of mistakes, a lot of kind of you know um, like offenses that never kick really returns got going. and stuff as well. You know, yeah. just stuff. That you, it is scrappy, preventable. Very scrappy, but I mean, I mean, I know in other sports. I mean, at least we see in football a lot of the times the big finals, like Champions League finals and stuff, can be very much like that. Yeah. You know, very kind of scrappy. It's not exactly the two best teams doesn't yeah. always exactly equate in the best product on the field. Yeah. Um, and I think that was the case here. Although I do think. I just think that the the Carolina's offensive line just couldn't seem to stop Denver. I mean, they just seem to throw an array of different blitzes, an array of different packages, different coverages, and they just kind of seem to stifle it, which is quite surprising because when we've seen the build-up to it, the Seahawks, sorry, Carolina absolutely destroyed the Seahawks in the first half. I know the Seahawks got back into yeah. it, but they Which, throttled them in the first de- half. With their defense. Exactly. And, the, and, the, and Cardinals, the Cardinals, they throttled them as the well. Car- so. The Cardinals have, although four interceptions and two fumbles from Carson Palmer, not, not ideal Doesn't for help. Him. Doesn't, doesn't help your doesn't cause. Doesn't help the cause. No, uh, absolutely not. But, uh, you know, they're two, abs- I think this has been probably the best defensive 
season in a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because every it was it was basically a question of who had the better offense, which wasn't the case in the in the Super Bowl. No, but. You know, that's what they were saying leading up into the playoffs. Uh, who yeah. has the better offense? Because everyone seems to have the good, D, a, a great D. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it just, it just, I suppose uh, there was a Manny Sanders made a couple of big plays, even though the Myers Thomas was kept quiet. Mm, yeah. So they just, and I mean, obviously the defensive touchdown, I think, really kind of set up the whole game. I mean, and it was, was at a crucial talk. stage. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. was at a, it was at a crucial stage, but it was, um, yeah, it, it was. It was a good game without being a great game, yeah. you know. And it was, I think, I it's think not to be memorable though. Yeah, yeah. Even though Carolina were probably, I think, widely tipped to win, they did end up, you know, they they just didn't kind of bring it on the day. And I no. think Denver were just I, more, you know, they just they put in a better performance, yeah. you know. And and you can't go by that. Um, I, think so, would, I think something that reflects on the match is that, you know, I know the Super Bowl is a, you know, it's a spectacle, yeah. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of more already being talked about as. You know Beyonce's show, where <laughs> Lady Gaga and even Martin O'Neill made an appearance. Oh, yeah. Himself and Roy yeah. Keane went for a lovely trip to, to San Fran. So you know when you the game's kind of being talked about in that sense. Mm. You know maybe it's not the it hasn't been the best, best yeah. actual game yeah. itself. Yeah, and I then agree. Just what you guys were saying. Normally in you know even finals in the World Cup, Champions League, teams normally get there on on different different strengths yeah. Yeah. whereas it sounds that these guys have both arrived with their defence yeah, and, yeah, and, and, and then it was a case of who could attack better between the two was, of them yeah, that's yeah exactly it, it really was. was and both offences really kind of struggled to get going and it was just you know it was it was who could make more turnovers than Centennial in Denver going on the build up the build up was kind of weird because in the past you had Ray Lewis's last ever game could he win the Super Bowl uh, you had uh, attack best attack versus best defence when mm-hmm. the Broncos played the Seahawks and Seahawks defence just did what basically what Denver did to did to Carolina last night, and then uh, you know last year there was the Flake Gate, there was that kind of t- talk and build up n- mm-hmm. negative side, but more positive. You know the Patriots are in town, they're playing. You can uh, Russell Wilson go back to back Super Bowls? Yeah. Uh, but this year it was a race kind of thing with Cam Newton. Yeah. And, and it wasn't a huge build up because Peyton Peyton Manning was kind of is he going to retire? Isn't he? There was a too, there was a bit of indication that he will, and I yeah. think he will. But if it was his last game, I think they would have got more immediate attention. Peyton Manning is a national hero in America, mm. and you know. But that race, that race thing, you know, Cam Newton's behaving. He's not like the prim and proper quarterback who mm-hmm. doesn't show much emotion unless a fist pump when they when they get a touchdown. You know. So what if he dances? It's that's yeah, that's well, that, that's more political issues inside America though that's not for our kind of talk I show. agree and, and I think Snoop Dogg put it best and uh, <laughs> usually you know Snoop Dogg might be a bit of, bit of an out there football thing but actually if you watch the guy you know his football yeah. and you know the whole thing is it, like I suppose in rugby in different sports because it's constantly moving and stuff you can't really show off unless you score a goal or something like that and you can yeah. celebrate but America because it's on a down system every time you know if you make a big play you, you've got time to celebrate yeah. so <laughs> now they take it to a different level but they, they watch them they really want to celebrate but that was one of the big storylines and I suppose you know with the whole dab and, and all the different array of dance moves it's quite an impressive array of dance moves Cam actually has <laughs> very good yeah Yeah, it, it is quite stylish actually I must admit afterwards in the, in the po- post game press conference he kind of got up and stormed out after about 3 or 4 minutes yeah. and supposedly it was something that one of the Broncos defensive players had said or he was talking to media and then the Broncos player was saying how they got to Newton and they were able to disrupt him but, and then, but then even if like you're the NFL MVP. You're the face of the NFL. Like I think it's a bit performed just to get up and just because you can't hack it, you just get up and and walk out of a press conference. He has a bit of an attitude problem though. Like it has been seen in his college days. Was he a fl- with Auburn? Fl- Auburn, and he had to go mm-hmm. to Berlin. 
yeah. for various reasons. But it seemed like Blink kind of settled. But you know, he's, he's only a kid as well. Like he's not. He's not. Yeah, he's twenty six though. You know, like so. I don't know what age he behaves like. A kid. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, more or less. You know, but, so you know, it's his first time in the hu- in the huge spotlight and. Every question had the word disappointing. More, most questions in that yeah. press conference had disappointed or disappointing, you know. Yeah. And you know he had a big play where he could have jumped on the ball and could have sit, you know, maybe resurrected things, you know, mm. from from a, a very hard to turn around position. But uh, I, I feel for him. I really do. Uh, yeah. I, I know it's a player. He's a celebrity. He has to, you know, like when a manager in the Premier League has a big loss, they have to go in front of the cameras. Louis Van Gaal. Yeah. Even though he's not much better than Cam. <laughs> <Newton. laughs> no. Uh, but I, I don't doubt. He said it w- they'll be back next year, and I, I think they will. I, I can't see him getting rid of any anyone. There's, there's not too much dead weight on that team. Uh, obviously, they maybe they have to prove the offensive line. That's mm-hmm. that's all I can see. Yeah, no, it's a, it's a complete team. I don't think you can scrap them after that because they were they were phenomenal in the, in the lead up to yeah. it. Um, but what I would say with with Cam Newton is it's it's hard because if you look at like say UFC fights, <laughs> and I know unless someone's like retiring or something, they don't usually generally interview the loser. Yeah. You know what I mean, they let the loser yeah. go off, mm-hmm. they let him walk back to his changing room, and you know, and we seen Aldo after the McGregor fight, we seen pictures of him. Like on his knees, like crying in the corner, you know what I mean? Because it's like it's they're so emotionally invested. Yeah. So it's a bit hard to like lose the biggest game of your entire life, perform badly in it when you're the MVP, and you gotta go face like 200 media members when all you want to do is just sit in the bus. You I know think what I, mean? I think it's the same mentality as UFC because when Aldo loses, he lost himself, you know. And yeah. quarterback is such a vital position. It's, in, yeah, it's not I like agree. any other sport where you're the striker, but maybe the, the centre back, you know, messed up, or you're you're a back yeah, row, but someone missed a kick. It's very isolated. Yeah, in the yeah. sense that there's a lot of attention just on you. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, which is great when you when you're winning games, and yeah. that's credit to Von Miller because mm. usually it is a quarterback or some sort of offensive player that wins MVP. Uh, f- fair play to him for a Super Bowl MVP, you know. Yeah, yeah, I'd have to say if anyone's seen Von Miller's post game stuff, it'd be basically like getting an entire bag of salt and just pouring <laughs> it into a gaping wound. <laughs> yeah, it had a picture of the whole Carolina team crying with Michael Jordan yeah. faces, and you know, so he he definitely took it to a different level with that. Yeah, but. Um, now look usually on this podcast we we rarely ever kind of talk politics or something that we kind of avoid I suppose but I did think this was very interesting on the weekend um, and it's in reference to the halftime show Beyonce's halftime show was it was kind of viewed as racially motivated although some thought that she was paying tribute to Michael Jackson wearing a similar um, a similar kind of costume to what Jackson wore when he performed at the Super Bowl halftime show do you think the NFL should have allowed her to perform if they knew that that was part of her performance, may have had political motivations, exactly. or do you think they might have been caught off guard? No, I think they... She only dropped the the, the single yeah. uh, the night before, yeah. or, the, or two days two days before. Uh-huh. So maybe they, they were caught blindsided, apparent yeah. upon, you know, NFL. But uh, uh, it's, it's a funny one. I think it was more in unity with the Carolina team. Mm. Because there are, are a lot of African Americans on that uh, on that team, and Cam, mm. knew, as I said, the race case. Yeah. Um, whether she was right or wrong, that's that's another question to ask. I don't think she was. Uh, I, I, but was it the right platform? You know, Super Bowl, so well, many different cultures watching it, and you're kind of yeah. You know, you're bringing up a, a topic that is already a heated topic in the p- p- presidential debates and all that. You know, yeah. so. It's a bit of a funny subject. I didn't. I didn't really like that she brought it up there. Uh, I think her her intentions were, I suppose, right. You know, mm-hmm. but uh, uh, not 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 in the Super Bowl. 
Yeah, see, it's it's a bit of a conflicted one, I think, personally, because if I'm the NFL and I know that she's going to do something like that, yeah. it's the Super Bowl halftime show. It's the biggest show in, in sporting regards anyway. So you can pretty much get, if 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 Beyonce can't do it, if you don't want Beyonce doing it, I'm pretty sure if you ring up the phone and call Taylor Swift, <laughs> she'd be more than happy she'd to jump. do it. You know, she'd jump at it. You can pick anyone, you know, and the most people would, well, most artists would do it. It's a huge platform. Um, so if I'm the NFL and I know that she's going to make any political kind of statements or anything that could be perceived as political statements, I'm not letting her go on the show because I, I'm my personal opinion that sport and politics for the most part should be a separate be, unless it's can. something like you know Paris attacks yes, him in his silence or something like that. Yeah. But any kind of political message. But then if I'm Beyonce and it's something about you know black rights and stuff like that and and anything that's supposed promotion of black kind of culture at a time when like as you said it's a very kind of sensitive issue in America if, if that's even with the Oscars yeah I, I know mean, it's, it's something it's similar different I mean different industries are having the same problem yeah. yeah I think I think the JA does it very well in they <clears throat> are completely separate from any agenda yeah, yeah. Um, I know it was time of the marriage referendum someone wanted to wear a band mm-hmm. and they just said look it's great cause you go away and do what you want but not in the GAA yeah. and yeah. that's that's not we're not picking a side because we're not letting the other guy do it yeah. so you know yeah. I think maybe in the NFL halftime show major audience yeah. uh, are yeah. they looking for publicity or oh, I don't think do, so I mean the Super Bowl need it? no they don't exactly. not, not when it gets to that kind of big of a stage but I was going to think like if you're Beyonce and you want to send out that message it's good for you because there's no other, there's no bigger stage than the Super Bowl yeah. to promote whatever your message is. Um, now, it's whether the NFL knew or not, but as you said, with the single coming out like the night or two before, I think it's, it's very hard to know. Yeah, the um, distrust in the NFL continues. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the GAA don't have much problems unless you want to run a soccer school at a local club. <laughs> then it's all out war. Um, but... <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, the grab all association, yeah. as has been said in some circles. But we'll leave that for another day. Thanks very much for listening this week. Uh, thanks very much for for Brian for joining me, Billy yeah, and Gavin O'Callaghan, and we'll be back next week with some more sporting action. Thank you. <laughs>